out there in podcast land. You'll set you once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 206. Our guest a little bit later going 10 rounds with Rhino, 9-3-1, Octagon Flyweight. Christopher Daniel is going to be joining us. It is awesome. He is a really, really fun and insightful guy. Really cool to get to know him better. And uh, he's literally fighting in a week for the Octagon. And I'm trying to say that right, like the Octagon promotion um, over in England uh, just literally like a week from yesterday as we were recording. So great time to get it. We had a really, really insightful uh, conversation. So can't wait for you guys to check that one out. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. Fight fam, of course. We're going to be going over our full UFC 297 breakdown, our drop of the night, or possibly lack thereof, hint, hint. Q&A session with some members of the Rhino Gang, as there is no UFC to make picks for for next week. And then, of course, obviously we're going to have an awesome Q&A session with the Rhino Gang. And then 9-3 and 1, 125-er Christopher Daniels, the latest fighter, to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So APB, even though we are both freezing our nips off, oh, both down so in cold. Memphis and here in Detroit, we are going to have to, in fact, get our swim trunks and our flipping floppies off. <laughs> <laughs> and dive right, right, right in. <clears throat> we're doing our own polar plunge here is, our, is, is what we're doing, <laughs> metaphorically, if you will. So UFC 297 from the also very cold, I'm sure. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, just across the water from me. Uh, our first fight at 125 pounds was Malcolm Gordon versus Jimmy Flick. Now, Malcolm Gordon, being a Canadian, came out like a man possessed. He was pressing, throwing combos, landing. He hurt Jimmy Flick two or three times. Gordon had a big slam takedown to GMP. At the end of the round, Flick, you know, tried to try to arm triangle for a little bit. It didn't go anywhere. As soon as the second round hit, Gordon again pouring it on but he was too sloppy and aggressive flick gets the takedown slaps on the arm triangle this time was able to secure it cinch it in and got the tap out in round two jimmy flick submission in round two by arm triangle all right now here's a fight we're going to talk about now apb we're going to talk about later and then we may talk about it even a third time so let's just go mm-hmm. ahead and get the first part out of the way our girl rhino gang 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 jasmine jazavizius was supposed to be fighting Priscilla Cachoeira at what? 125 pounds. Is that what they fought at? No, they didn't. Priscilla Cachoeira missed not only by a pound or two, which is, you know, that happens. No, no, no. She missed and then would like refuse to even get it closer to the contracted weight. So they ended up fighting at 135 pounds, a full weight class above what they were supposed to. But Jasmine said, I don't give a fuck. We're doing it. I'm making it happen. As soon as she they said, this there. girl pissed me off, so yes, I will fight her, and I will torture her ass for <laughs> three rounds. <laughs> so, go. right from the jump, Priscilla starts throwing crazy, as she usually does. JJ takes her down, starts landing a ground and pound, flattens her out, more ground and pound, dominant first round. I mean, he stayed on top of her, pounding her. Nothing was like super major shots, but just consistent, medium-level punches and elbows to the face and the head uh, for all the first rounds. Second round, Jasmine, one of the very rare drops of the evening, drops Priscilla with a straight right. Uh, you know, Priscilla wasn't hurt. She was kind of really more knocked off balance, I think. She got up, and then <laughs> Jasmine put her right back down. More ground and pound, more submission attempts. Again, dominant second round for Jasmine Jasmine And in the third, okay, they started to train a little bit on the feet. I'm like, all right, we're well, okay. I'm like, Jasmine, I don't want you to catch some bullshit. Lucky I know, shot, I was you so know what scared. I mean? I was like, oh crap, she <laughs> right. flipped. Right, exactly. That's but exactly she did what it. I thought too. No, she did not. So she was getting just as good as she was taking. 
out with Priscilla while they were standing up. And then, of course, another takedown for JJ. She starts, I mean, just unloading on Priscilla Cachuera's face. It was like Cachuera had no way to get up off of her back. She would flip over. Um, Jasmine flatten her out. Then at one point, she slaps on the Dars, gets Priscilla Cachuera where she's got nowhere to go, nowhere to move. Well, what, what do I do? Tap out. Priscilla Cachuera, you and your major weight miss can get and the fuck out of here. And your cheating ass. Yeah. She's a cheater, suck. too. She's an eye poker. She's, yeah. She's, she's, she's mean. I but don't like she's... She's a tough, tough old bitch, though. Cause she, I mean, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have been able to take all that. Like she was punching her in the third round, and she was smiling, and she was. <laughs> I think she liked I'm it. still laughing. I'm still laughing at the tough old bitch. <laughs> well, but, I mean, all, I don't know what else to call her. All kudos, all flowers, all chocolate. Yes, all the flowers. Jasmine, Jasmine, wow, the vicious one as she's known. Rhino gang gang. Fuck. She got gang. a bonus. She she's Hell also yeah, she got a dollar yeah. richer. Yes. <laughs> and then I loved I loved her pre-fight. Like she had a great post-fight um, you know, interview. She did. Yeah. But her pre her pre-fight interview was really good too. And she was talking I didn't shit see about that. The, yeah, she was talking shit about the way she was like, she's like, be a fucking professional. Yeah. She's yeah. like, she's like, she's like, she's like, you suck at weight cutting. <laughs> I hope everybody piss. I hope every one of Jasmine's <laughs> future opponents piss her off. That way we can oh see that God. every time. It was so that was good. Incredible. incredible. Oh, really, really. Congratulations. Well. Right. Yes, absolutely. All right. So moving into 170 pounds, we had Johan Lanise versus Sam Patterson. So we had Canada versus the UK in this one. Um, they started to grapple right away. And then Patterson had this front headlock drag down. That was really pretty. Like, you don't see that all that often where like you're in a front headlock and then like a, like a snap drag down. Um, he immediately goes over to Johan Lanise's back, slaps on the rear naked choke and gets it. The very first round was like two, two and a half minutes in, something like that. So Sam Patterson got the very quick decision over Johan Lanise. So we're going to find a little, and I hate to say it because we have so many of our homies from Canada, but we are seeing a little bit of a trend that ends up being a full-on pattern for the remainder of the evening, as far as the male Canadian fighters. Yeah, but only you, the women could win. You, <laughs> right, but you don't have to worry about that just yet, because our next fight was Jillian Robertson, the Canadian, versus Pollyanna Viana at 115 pounds. Right. Like, Jillian, we all know what she wants to do. It's the same story every time. She mm-hmm. wants to get you to the ground and submit you, and she's really, really good at that, right? Yes. So, like, from the jump, single leg takedown Jillian. She very patiently worked into an arm triangle attempt. Wasn't able to get it. Um, Pollyanna Viana did secure like a like a, a couple of scrambles and and did, was able to reverse, but like not and didn't do anything with it. You know what I mean? Um, in the second round, another I'm sorry, still in the first round, another armbar attempt for Jillian. Second round, a couple of punches for Viana that actually landed on Jillian. But then Jillian, of course, gets the takedown, sla- switches over, takes her back, starts ground and pounding her. And again, I'm like, okay, she's going to ground and pound her until she sees a submission mm-hmm. open, right. which I'm sure is what we all thought, right? Yeah. Um, but it didn't It didn't even get to that because she kept on landing, <laughs> and Bianca was not able to get out of there. So Jillian got a TKO, and I don't know if it was her first or second TKO ever or whatever. It was her, like, she said it was her second TKO, and her other one was in Canada, I think is what she said last time. And this was only her second pro fight in Canada. I remember, they said, remember she fought in Edmonton. Uh, for the UFC a few years ago, like, well, like 2018 or 2019. So 
So this was her second fucking TKO ever. And she did it against Pollyanna Viana, who was a very good fighter. I thought that Pollyanna could have caused problems for her uh, with striking. I thought she could have, you know, dominated her. If you would have told me that Jillian Roberts was going to win by TKO, I would have not believed you. <laughs> 100% agree with you, EPB. There is no world where I was like. I would never pick that. <clears throat> you think of TKO, you think on the feet. I mean, at least I do. I automatically think, oh, they stopped him on the feet. But like. It ground upon makes a little more sense. However, we all just talked about it. Like she, she ground and pounds you to open up submissions. Right. She didn't even need one this time because Viana just couldn't get out of the way. So yeah, big, uh, big ups to Jillian Robertson getting the TKO in that one. All right. Moving into one of many controversial decisions, happenings that happened last night at UFC 297. Our guy, Ramon Tavares, Rhino Gang versus Siri City. Now, this I one like was his a, name, Siri City. Siri I City. Because cool I keep, it always makes me think of like Siri, turn off the lights. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I keep thinking. You say of. it really fast, though. Siri City. Siri City. Oh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, okay. Um, so Ramon Tavares and Siri City, they literally come out from the very jump and start landing shit. Siri was more aggressive early moving forward. And then Ramon started like, I don't know, these counters, this boxing heavy counters started to land and land hard. Siri got fucking lit up. His face looked like the crimson mask of the 80s wrestling of old. <laughs> and it was beautiful body shots, too, from Tavares. He, again, it was Siri coming forward and landing kicks and punches. And then Ramon would counter, get out of the way, then like land a combination. It was a really fun back and forth fight, dude. Again, I'm I'm obviously gonna be biased because I'm Rhino Gang with uh, to, to the end, and Ramon has been on our show and we love him. I thought they were gonna give it to Siri two rounds to one. I, that's yeah, how I thought that's it was gonna be scored. Too. Right. The 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 judges actually did give it to Ramon Tavares. I think they thought the damage was more than the accumulation of shots, right? Because like the damage Ramon was able to do, even landing less, was enough to get him in fight. So he won by split decision. I've got no problem with that. Moving into 145 pounds. We had Charles Air Jordan versus Charles Wo- Charles Woodson. That's how you know I'm a Michigan football fan when I say Charles Woodson instead of Sean Woodson. So Charles Air Jordan versus the very tall, very lanky, very unique frame that is Sean Woodson. Um, Woodson, I thought, really won all three rounds. It ended up being a split decision, but like I thought Woodson kept it at range. Jordan was trying to land leg kicks. He was trying to push him up against the cage. He was trying to take him out a bunch of times, but like, I thought it was very clearly Sean Woodson won all three rounds. To me, he won all three rounds. They ended up getting him a split decision, which was not <laughs> without some controversy in itself, ABB. Because if you recall, <laughs> yes, nobody could hear anything because there was so much noise going mm-hmm. on in Toronto. And Charles Air Jordan thought his name was announced. <laughs> and then <laughs> Sean Woodson said he couldn't hear it, but he saw them celebrating. He's like, oh, shit, I lost. <laughs> So he starts going, and then Cormier, DC, and be like, no, no. No, you you're the winner. <laughs> <laughs> like, not the most exciting fight in the world. Not a bad fight by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I like Charles Air Jordan's fight style. He's usually much more of a car crash than he was last night. Um, but again, it's really hard with the distance that Sean Woodson creates in his fighting style. So, again, I gave Sean Woodson... The unanimous decision, but the judges gave a split decision. But to me, at least the right guy won. All right. Moving into Rhino Gang, fighter number three on the card. Brad Katona, two-time tough winner, going against Garrett Armfield. You want to talk about two guys who are, like, super evenly matched? This was these two, right? Like, they're very similar in size, very similar in style. Garrett 
Armfeld, I thought, was doing the better job of landing um, strikes that were that, that made the impact harder than Katona was. So I thought there were pretty even rounds all the way up until like the last parts of each round when Katona secured a takedown, right? So I thought to myself, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, it was really even on the feet. Um, but Brad got those three takedowns in each round. I'm like, okay, they're clearly going to give it to Brad Katona. Not the case. Garrett Armfeld got his uh, unanimous decision in that one, which I don't agree with. I could see it, but I don't agree with. I'm not a huge fan of just like, well, yeah, he got taken down three times and he got held down for a minute or two, but we're still going to get a fucking win. But then again, Brad didn't do much with those takedowns and he also didn't create a lot of damage. So I could see it going either way. I had it for Brad Katona, but again, maybe my rhino gang bias was showing a little bit. All right. <laughs> Moving into the eighth fight of that, we had Mofsar Evolev. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You have to say it correctly. Mofsar Evolev. I never know how to say it. So yeah. congratulations to you. Because <laughs> um, I always look at it and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody is. sounded it out. Somebody sounded it out how you're supposed to say Evolev. So, yes, Mofsar Evolev against Arnold Allen. Very close fight. Tough fight. Uh, Mozart was showing great takedown defense early. Had a couple of crisp right hands that really seemed to hurt uh, Arnold Allen. There was some really great scrambles, and Arnold Allen was like, it would not stay on the mat. In the first round, dude, he was scrambling so hard and fighting so hard to get up, but he did a great job of doing it. There was a lot of really fun scrambles, yeah. um, but again, Mozart was the one getting in the advantage, right? In the second, or again, anytime there was a takedown, he was getting up. There was no problem with Arnold Allen having to be pressed on the ground early in the fight. I think while he still had that energy, he was able just to kind of muscle himself up, right? Um, then there was the here's – here was the part that I immediately thought of you, EPB. Can you guess what it was? A knee. The flying fucking knee that Mozart landed on Arnold Allen. And Arnold ate it like a fucking tootsie roll. <laughs> like, it was just like nothing. But he landed it flush and he landed it hard. But Allen's showing off that granite chin. Holy smokes. In the third round, dude, like it was a really fun fight back and forth. There was some, there was some grappling, there was some takedowns, there was some scrambles, there was some exchanges. Had a little bit of everything. Again, Mozart Evloev, I thought definitely won all three rounds. The judges saw fit to give him that as well. He got the unanimous decision over the very tough and very talented Arnold Allen, who was still super young in the sport. I think we're absolutely going to see him again and maintain being a player at 145. All right. <sighs> Let's get into Chris Curtis versus Marc-Andre Barrio. This is where I started to get sleepy, and I snoozed through a little bit of every fight here on out. <laughs> <laughs> this is where everybody got a little bit sleepy. Now, if you look at it like this. Chris Curtis, his nickname is the Action Man. He was Mark not an Action Man. Marc-Andre <laughs> Barrio, his name is Power Bar. What does a Power Bar give you? Energy. So you think, with action and energy meeting each other in the cage... We would get some fireworks. Mm-mm. You fucking would be wrong <laughs> because the first, I don't know, two and a half, two and three quarters rounds were literally one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. One of the lowest <laughs> output, one of the least amount of you know of damaging strikes landed, no takedowns. It was just like Chris Curtis and Mark Andrew were just standing by each other, dipping in and out. Occasionally a leg kick would be thrown, occasionally a punch would be thrown, but like. Everything was getting blocked or everything was like zero steam on it. And if you listen to last week's show, APB, I said I thought Chris Curtis was going to win this fight because he's really close with Sean Strickland. And I thought he was going to feed off the energy of Strickland being in a title fight and just kind of give this like all-time great performance. I was wrong again. 
because this was <laughs> fucking lame all the way. What was it? About a minute and a half, like 90 seconds or two minutes left in the third round where they're both just like, okay, we've bored yeah, everybody yeah. to sleep all the time. Let's, let's, let's go ahead. Everybody up. Hopefully there's somebody that's awake that's going to watch. Let's go ahead. I did kind of wake up and see this part. Let's go ahead and rock them, sock them robots and hockey fight with uppercuts and short elbows and inside and just go to town for the last minute, half or two minutes, whatever it was. Um, Chris Curtis gets a split decision. <clears throat> I don't care who won that fight. That was really bad. It was a bad performance. Yeah. Both guys. Uh, obviously a fun finish, but that could have been, you know, spread out evenly amongst the three rounds. We would have had a much more exciting and competitive fight. You could have just started that earlier and then you wouldn't have had to go three rounds, you know? Well, you know, are your lips to God's ears, my friend, because it just wasn't, <laughs> Just wasn't meant to be a fun, uh, a fun fight for between Chris Curtis and, and Power Bar last night. All right, moving into one of the more shocking events of yesterday: Mike Malott versus Neil Magny. Now, <laughs> APB guy. is the biggest <laughs> AP, APB is the biggest Neil Magny fan ever. Oh, she yeah. loves him. She's, she's got t-shirts. She's got t-shirts <laughs> and his name on it. She's all Neil Magny all the time. <laughs> now, M- Mike Malott has been on a great run lately. He came out to some 41, which I love. I was brought me back to the 90s. And it was just a really like energetic, fun, ready to get started. All right. And as soon as it did, Mike, I'm not going to break down every second of every round, but Mike Malott landed more punches. He landed more kicks. He landed more takedowns. He had more cage control. He was doing everything he could do. He was on track to win. To win this fight. Just like he was expected. There's a lot, you know, everybody thought he was going to win. So then we get to the latter part of the third round. And Neil Magny finds himself getting a takedown, taking Mike Malott's back, flattening him out. And it was mostly left hands, but there was, you know, he was landing with both rights and left, but it was mostly left hands. And like Neil, Neil Magny is very tall and he has a very good reach. And, and I think that played a part in how clean he was landing those really devastating left hands just over and over and over again. You're looking at the clock. It's like, holy shit, there's still 25 seconds left and he's pounding him. And Malott's not moving. And his head's getting bounced around like a basketball. And Malat's not moving. Why isn't Malat moving? Why is he trying to flip? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, think he's just never been in that position. He was he just stunned. Was in and the eye of storm, dude. Neil Magny was raining down on him, and Malat did not know what to do or where to go or how to get out of it. So the last male that could have won a fight for Canada was <laughs> not, not successful. <laughs> Oh, was not successful, and he got the he got the he got victories stolen with just like less than a minute left to go in the third round by Neil Magny. Which again, you got to give the guy his due. He, he has finds, stuck up a lot of people that he wasn't supposed to fuck up. Neil he Magny. Just, he just finds a way to beat almost every prospect that he comes across, mm-hmm. and then he often loses to like the higher level veterans. And uh, people like to call him a gatekeeper, and I, I could see that. But again, he's also gotta... a dream destroyer, <laughs> <laughs> and he's very unsuspecting too. Dream destroyer, he's man. gonna destroy your dreams because <laughs> you know he's a he's a good fight for a lot of people. Because if you beat him, yeah, then you're you know you're on the up, but you don't necessarily expect him to fuck you up. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> so big win. TKO in the late in the third round for Neil Magny. All right, let's get one of our two title fights. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to preface everything by saying this. We know Rocky Pennington has been on our show. You know she's Rhino Gang. You know I love 
all of my Rado gang fighters. I I have been really hoping that she was going to get a title shot for the last several years. She's been very close. She already has had a title shot before and didn't didn't win it. But she's always been in that top tier and just has never been able to get over the hill, right? And I thought last night was as good of a chance as she was ever going to get because while Myra Buena Silva was the, you know, she was the favorite, I still knew that Rocky had it, had the, I'm not going to say the style. She could take her to where she needed to go. I just thought, I knew she could hang in it the whole time. Like, no matter what, even if she was losing, she was always going to have a chance to win. Like, even down to the last second. I knew that she could beat her in some way, somehow. Was this the most exciting fight in the history of the world? No. No. Was there a lot of lulls, a lot of wall wrestling, a lot of clinching, a lot of just not a lot of happening? Yes. Yes, there was. When they were in space, who was the one bringing the fight to who? Rocky Pennington was bringing it to Myra Buena Silva with the combinations, with the elbows, with everything that she was landing. And then Silva, with her excellent grappling, was able to take her down and not do much with it or push up against a cage. And not a lot was happening there either. The amount of hate that Rocky Pennington has taken from this fight is bullshit. It's way too much. And I don't know if people just don't like her as a person. I don't know what it is. She has got an avalanche of hate. However, she won the fight last night. She won the title. It was very clearly four rounds to one is how I had it for Rocky Pennington, getting the unanimous decision over Myra Buena Silva, who, again, was the big-time favorite to win this fight. Uh, you know, at one time they were talking about she's the one to dethrone Amanda. Like, no. Oh, yeah, right. Give me a break, dude. <laughs> Amanda would have beaten both of them last night, honestly. 100%. And really, Juliana Pena probably would have beaten both of them, too. The way that I'm not, they I'm not gonna perform. give any I'm not gonna give Julian an opinion. I know you have, <laughs> I like I'm it. just being honest. All right, I'm just gonna say this too. We love Rocky Pennington. I know it was not a great performance last night. I know it wasn't a barn burner, and I know people talking shit. I'm not one of them. I stand by our girl, Rocky yeah, Pennington. I and do I can too. say congratulations for winning yes. the 135 pound belt last night. You're Absolutely. the champion. You are the champion. No one can ever take that away from you, dude. Nobody can take it away. You're in the history books for good. So whatever, everybody. <laughs> relax but uh, please listen to your corner because they would have they if you would have done what they would have said you could have finished it. please listen to your corner well said apb well said indeed all right so here's the funny part when i say because <laughs> i like because his name is Druiscus duplicy but like we all say ddp because it's much easier so i in my mind i'm going all right apb let's talk about ddp and, <laughs> <laughs> and after that we're gonna talk about rsp Right. So it's like there's a there's a like we're talking in code. Like it's not even English anymore. <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's, uh, code. I guess so. So basically we have Jeriscus Duplessis versus Sean Strickland for the middleweight title going into last night. A lot of bad blood, a lot of shit talk, a lot of And, and nobody and here's the cared. Thing. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> in our I don't like I don't like either guy. I don't like either guy. I don't either. I don't like the thing Sean Strickland. I like how he fights sometimes, but there's other times I'm watching him he's boring as shit. But I, I'm not a fan of Driscoll's Duplessis either for a slew of reasons. So the first round, they come out. Sean Strickland looks like Sean Strickland. He's landing that beautiful jab. It's one of the better jabs in all of MMA. You got to give him his due. It is crisp. It is clean. It is straightforward. And he throws it a lot. He was landing a lot. He was lumping up DDP's face. He swelled up his, both of his eyes in the first round. It was mostly off that jab, too. I mean, he threw some straights and some other stuff. But what was landing consistently was that jab. DDP... <sighs> He looked kind of lost, which a lot of people do with that forward pressure of Sean Strickland. Um, and with that volume and that style, a lot of people are like, they're not sure what to do. He was kind of in that camp as far as the first round goes. The second round, I thought it was a lot more Sean Strickland as well. 
Strickland, again, moving forward, jab, jab, one, jab, jab, two, jab, jab, one, two, three. You know, the occasional kick, the occasional um, hook, but it was mostly jabs and straights. DDP, again, he threw some shit. A couple things landed, nothing major. <clears throat> so, again, it was very clearly, to me, I don't know how you scored it, it was very clearly Sean Strickland. I didn't one score two. it. I was sleeping a lot of the time. Fair enough. And fair I didn't enough, care. <laughs> <laughs> Round three, the tide really started to turn. DDP was mixing in not just the striking, but the takedowns, which I, I like allowed him to get closer in better striking range to Sean. It was landing much, much better. Uh, a lot of the same in the fourth. The mixture of the, at least, at least threatening the takedown. In, in addition to just getting them, was enough for him to get closer and landing more. And he was landing hard shots against Strickland. I mean, he opened up Strickland's head. There was a good amount of offense being put out by DDP in that in that fourth round. So for me, you're looking at two and two going into the fifth. In the fifth round, very close. Both guys had their moments. I thought Strickland edged him out, and I thought it was I thought it was for sure going to be Strickland three to two. And Dana talked about this. We we talked about this in the Q and A session a little bit later, but like. Dana brought this up, and I've been saying this on the show for years, and so have a lot of other people. You have got to take the title from the person mm. who owns it. Yeah. If it's close, close like that, you can't give it to the other person. To me, that's a bullshit discredit to the championship and how much it's valued and how much it means to our sport. To me, it was very clearly rounds one, two, and five for Sean Strickland, rounds three and four for DDP, which should have given Sean Strickland this and still not how the judges had it. Ended up being a split decision for DDP over Sean Strickland. But <sighs> Sean Strickland totally deserved bad decision karma. And, you know, he had on, you know, he's just a total shit show. And he had on his woman hater shirt the other day about how women should get in the kitchen or whatever. I think it, I think I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's a woman in every kitchen and a gun in every hand or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Okay. So how funny is it that he received what could be a bad decision? I don't know. Cause like I said, I slept through a lot of it and I don't care, but <laughs> he had that shirt on and then the performance bonuses of the night went to the two ladies. So the president of the He-Man Woman Haters Club <laughs> was outperformed by two women. And he was talking <clears throat> trash about women's MMA and how they shouldn't be, you know, fighting. And nobody would watch them if they were just their own league. Buck you, Sean Strickland. I'm glad you lost. So in, in light of <laughs> there not being any real major drops from last night, so there really is no drape, like drop of the night. Let's go ahead and revisit what you were just talking about. You just brought up a little bit. The I don't have the official in front of me. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was like 320 to about 20 or something as far as the strikes go for Jasmine Jezevizis over Priscilla Cachuera. So when you outland somebody by like 300 <laughs> strikes, not only did you have a good night at the office, but like you are, you deserve your own plaque. I believe. Yeah. I think if you like land literally 200 plus more strikes in your opponent, you should get a plaque of like ass kicker of the night, striking discrepancy of the night, something cool, some sort of cool plaque. So Dana brass of the UFC, give Jasmine more than the bonus. Give her some. Yeah. Sort of I thought she deserved more than the bonus too. If I had an extra $50,000, I would give that to her and her plaque and her flowers and whatever she wanted. I want a plaque. I want a plaque or an award or a trophy of some repute. Given to Jasmine Jezevich for that 
humongous discrepancy in striking for our girl, the vicious one, Jasmine Jasmine She right. demolished the women's strike record in a fight. She demolished, I think it was like 180 or something. <clears throat> she fucking rules, and we love her, and we've had her on before it was cool to have her on, so whatever. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we love her so much, and big congratulations once again to Jasmine Jasmine All right, let's go ahead and get our Q&A session with some members of the Rhino Gang. Our first one comes from our Denver Broncos-loving fanatic, Ty the Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got for us this week? Ty says, hey, Rhino, Raquel Pennington was able to add to her pioneer career with a championship belt in the UFC. The first title holder not named Rousey or Nunez in a while outside of Pena. How do you see the rest of the women's bantamweight division playing out? Is Pennington someone who will hold the title for more than one defense? If not, who in the division do you think holds the belt at the end of the year? Love the show, and I'll catch you later. Peace. Thanks, buddy. Like, dude, the most unfortunate, we touched on it a little bit already, the most unfortunate part of the aftermath of Rockies winning the belt was all of the talk about how terrible women's MMA is, the women's bantamweight division is, like how, how terrible the uh, talent pool is at 135. Like, that was so much hate going on after that fight and again i get it It was a it wasn't a great fight to watch but like do you have to condemn the entire division forever no because because the two women got the bonuses so did they not see those fights they they pick and choose what they want to sure to talk about so is it the strongest that 135 has ever been of course not especially if you compare it to 115 and 125 which are both shark tanks of of violent talented outstanding MMA fighters at both 115 and 125. 135, it's peaks and valleys, dude. Every division goes through this. Every division in the UFC has a year or two where it's not as deep of a talent, rich of a talent pool as it has been before. And then it always revives itself eventually. You know what I mean? So no, 135 is down a little bit for women right now, but it will come back. I would say the only two people in the entire top 20 right now that I could see having the title, if it's not Rocky at the end of 2024, and that would be Irene Aldana or Juliana Pena. Those are probably the only two I could see doing it, but I I would like to say, I hope to see Rocky with the title at year's end, but yeah, if she doesn't have it, the only two people I could see possibly taking it from her right now are Irene Aldana and Juliana Pena at 135. So that is my answer on that one. And Ty, I know your Broncos aren't in the playoffs anymore, but my Lions are. (laughs) <laughs> we can always use the help of another fan, another person cheering, putting good energy out in the atmosphere. So I hope you're rooting for the Lions again today, my dude. We appreciate the tie. All right. Let's get into our Well, I, I will be, and I don't give a shit about football. You're a good but I'll friend, root for you. I you're know. a good friend, APB. You always have <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and get into our big homie, Jim Soon, who, like all the rest of us, was real tired. That's like, we know Jimmy. He was sick. I hope he gets better. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't get to go. He didn't get to go to 297 because he was feeling so sick. But uh, we hope he enjoyed the fights that he did watch. And he's got a question for us this week. So, Jim, what do you got for us, dude? What's going on? A bunch of fucking casuals. That's Rhino right. and the Rhino gang. Hope y'all are doing well. Well, I'm glad I didn't go to that event. Slept most <laughs> of the night. But I picked DDP to win. I honestly thought Sean won that fight. Had Sean up rounds one, two, and five, but it was a close fight. Who's next for DDP? And you kids know it's always 420. Peace. Well, that first of all, that was a phenomenal impression. Second Thank of you. all, you're welcome. 
I, I, I don't, again, we've talked about this so many times on the show over the years. It really is a case by case basis, whether I'm down for an immediate rematch or not. In this case, I kind of am because it was so close and I thought Strickland won. However, if it's not, just put that aside. If it's not going to be Sean Strickland, who should it be? So there's two trains of thought. One, Robert Whitaker is fighting Paulo Costa next month. Could it be the winner of that? Maybe. Or looking down the line a little bit lower, a little bit further, um, is Brendan Allen Allen versus Martin Vittori. Now that was happening in April. I would much rather see the winner of Brendan Allen and Marvin Vittori fight DDP for the title than I would Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa winner. And here's why. I think, and I'm leaning towards Robert Whitaker beating Costa. Okay. Especially if it is Robert, do we want to see Robert Whitaker, who we all love and adore, fight fucking DDP again and get fucking no. wrecked again? Of course <laughs> not. No, we don't want that for our buddy Robert Whitaker. So if it's Costa, I mean, I don't hate it, but I really think it should be. I want new blood. I want more exciting matchups, things we haven't seen or even seen close to before. So yeah, I want the winner of Vittori, <clears throat> excuse me, and Brendan Allen to be the next shot at 185 against DDP if it's not going to be a Strickland rematch. So that is my answer on that one, big homie Jimmy Soon. We hope you are healing up, my dude. All right, let's get into the homie, the Dean Dog, the motorcycle ride madman. Dean Dog, what do you got for us this week, dude? Dean says, hopefully everyone is doing well. Wasn't the most exciting night of fights, but fights we got. What was your favorite fight from last night? Biggest upset and biggest disappointment. Thanks always. Peace. So you're right, dude. And APB talked that a little bit off air, and I was still kind of being a curmudgeon about the car. But she brought in the light. She brought in the positivity. She brought in the, hey, we had some good fights. There was this, this, that. I'm like, you know what? APB, you're right. <laughs> Especially on the prelims, there were some really fun fights and good fights. So my favorite fights of last night were the dominant performance, by obviously by Jasmine, and then Ramon's absolute banger with CD. I thought that was a great fight. So I thought problems. that was the fight of the night, personally. Yeah, even though I do they too. gave it to DDP and Sean Strickland. I thought that was the better <laughs> I do one. Too. Me too. So I would say the biggest like upset to me was obviously Mike Malott getting yeah, fucking sure. winning for Poor 14 guy. minutes and then the last minute getting it Got snatched Neil away by Neil. <laughs> <laughs> you got Magneed. Oh my God, Mike Malott. Poor guy. Um, so yeah, that was the upset. And then another thing you have to say is an upset like DDP winning that split decision and taking the title off a split decision. That's upset. <laughs> that's an upset, dude. I don't like getting a title that's taken away. That's fucking hilarious. Split decision. I don't so like that hilarious shit. Because you know I don't like Strickland. Strickland. Yeah, you know I don't like Strickland, but even still, it still fucking bothers me. Um, it doesn't so bother was, me one bit. <laughs> you made that very apparent. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. Okay, so then. Um, yeah, I've always I've always maintained that you gotta take the title and he didn't, but whatever. The biggest disappointment is like a, a lot of the rocky hate that we already tried to talk about, so I don't want to get too much into that. The most exciting fight, obviously, for me, it had to be Jasmine Jezavizzi yes. beating the shit out of Crutch. Yes. Like, I was in love she with that. She got immobilized her with the crucifix and just drilled her. It was so awesome. That was, yeah, that I cannot was say more good things about that fight. I could talk about it all day. I know we'll do a we'll do a side one just you and I off the air later where we just talk about it for like yeah, 20, okay. we'll, 20 minutes. We'll talk about it later today again. <laughs> we'll watch it again and then talk what is, about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll do a watch along. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be so fun. Oh my god, it'd be so awesome. Okay, so <clears throat> Dean Dog, I hope I have sufficiently answered your questions, my dude. Hope all is well. You know, we love you. All right. Now let's get in our home with the rage of sweet potato. RSP, what do you got for us this week? RSP is a choice for me. RSP says there's been a lot of talk lately about how UFC 300 should be some star-studded event and that thus far it doesn't seem to be shaping up that way. When you take into account UFC, Ultimate Japan and UFC 37.5, which were both pay-per-views, UFC's 151, 176, and 233, which were all canceled events, and free, air quotes, pay-per-views like UFC 267, the upcoming so-called UFC 300 isn't actually the organization's 300 pay-per-view. Seems kind of arbitrary and a bit silly to me to stack a card just because it's a nice round number. Shouldn't the UFC be focused more on improving the overall quality of the brand as a whole, making sure that every pay-per-view is a banger, as opposed to only one or two high-level cards per year? What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, is there any more like well-researched and thorough question asker than the Rages? Yeah, I didn't even realize any of that. Like, but whenever he talked about it, I was like, oh, yeah. He he has facts on top of facts on top of facts, <laughs> which you just cannot fuck with. And just he's our historian. Our he really is. He's historian. a fantastic historian, and he's always accurate with his shit. So I think overall you're absolutely right, RSP. But from a marketing perspective, it makes the most sense to make these round numbers appear more extra special. And in particular, you got to remember for the casual fan, for the fan that watches maybe two or three cards per year, it looks like a much bigger deal. To them, be like, oh, it's 300. Look at that. Everyone's talking about what big names they have and these flashy, you know, exciting fights that they put together for 300. Can you believe it's 300? Because you got to remember, dude, 95% of the people out there aren't going to know about all the ones you just talked about. They're not going to know that this is not, in fact, the 300th pay per view. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're expecting all the bells and whistles. And not just them as the fans or the casual fans, I should say, but. You look at the people like behind the scenes, like all the brass at the UFC, all the advertisers, all of the sponsors, all of all of ESPN and the entire sports world. They expect when they see a number like 300 or 200 or 100 or 400 for there to be some sort of extra oomph, a lot extra thrown at it, an extra special sauce, if you will. And I know that that's what they're trying to do. And we'll see. We'll see what the end up the card ends up being in, in, in total. There's some very exciting fights that I'm looking forward to on 300. Already, There's some right? great fights on there. <clears throat> Absolutely. All up and down the card. I think it opens with Jim Miller and Bobby Green. Bobby Green, yeah. But again, we don't even know what the whole card is yet. So right. we there still should be some more surprises. As long as they don't seven. do another yellow mat, okay? <laughs> UFC 200 yellow mat. Ugh, it made me sick. <laughs> It was visually, it was awful. It made me sick. It made me mad. <laughs> uh, I didn't particularly care for UFC 100 or 200, to be honest. Like, neither of them lived up to what I was hoping for. However, um, I'm, I, again, I always hope, I try to be optimistic. When it comes to this, maybe, the, maybe this time they're going to get it right. I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, RSP, of course you're right. You know what I mean? Of course you're right in what you said. But, again, I gotta look. you got to look at it from some other angles. And that is from the casual fan, the people behind the scenes, advertisers, all the things that make a big round number like that really easy to be the one that you throw all the bells and whistles at as opposed to the, you know, 
what is probably going to be end up being a better card being 298 or 299 or 301 or 307 you know what i mean or whatever is pretty badass <laughs> it's very cool we have nothing but we have nothing but bangers moving forward after this one week break you know what i mean like everything is going to be sweet moving forward for a while i think so yeah dude i'm with you but i understand where they're coming from as well and again what a fucking phenomenal question thank you very much raid Street potato all right let's get into our final writing question which comes from our homie the doc doc what do you got for this we do? Doc says, haven't heard you give a grade for a fight card in a while. So what do you give UFC 297? I'm going to break it down into two halves. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> the prelims, B, a solid B. Main card, D+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't want to wax intellectual too much about this. I'm just going to leave it as that. B for the prelims, D plus for the main card. So thank you very much, Doc. And that's going to end our Q&A session for today from some members of the Rhino gang. So let's go ahead and get to our 10 rounds of Rhino with 9-3-1 octagon flyweight Christopher Daniel after a quick word from our proud sponsors at K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom? or an end table for the family room. We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, oh, fight fam, we're ourselves on our fantastic guest going 10 rounds Rhino this week. Nine, three, and one. Octagon Flyway. Christopher Daniel is here. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Dude, we are super stoked to have you on. Can you give us the, the round one? We'd just love to hear that origin story, like how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude. Oh, man, yeah, it's a, it's a long story. So ever since fifth grade, I've been fighting from fifth all the way to the 11th grade, nonstop, never took a year off. Uh, after that, uh, I went to college. The first year of college, I ended up fighting someone in the streets because of my baby mother had a had an issue with somebody, and she wanted me to fight him. And when I went to go fight him, I found out that he did MMA the day of me fighting him, you know? And yeah. I remember kicking him, and then he caught my kick. He took me down, ground and pound me, and then I remember covering up. He was hitting my ears nonstop. I remember when he got off of me, instead of being mad, like, hey, let's do this again, hey, you got lucky. I was like, yo, this is pretty cool. Like, what is this called? MMA? I'm going to go check this out. And I started watching UFC after that nonstop. I remember watching a TV show called MTV Caged. 
about these guys in Louisiana trying to become uh, USC fighters. And I was like, yo, I got to do this. So I either had the time and no money or I had the money and no time. And then one day I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to join a gym. Ended up joining a Muay Thai gym. It closed down like two weeks after I signed up. Ended up going to Wagner Rochas in Plantation. He also had a school in Permanent Pines. And after that, I was trained for six months. And I always used to bring my kids to the gym. And one day, I went to go to work. My mom was watching my kid. And unfortunately, my kid ended up going to the backyard. And he went to the pool and drowned. And the day before that, we were watching... You, uh, I forgot what UFC pay-per-view event it was, but it was Showtime Pettis. He was the main event. And my son was like, hey, can we stop watching these fights? Let's let's watch a movie. And then I was like, yo, let, let's continue watching UFC. I promise you one day you're going to see me fight on TV. And ever since he passed away, that promise I made him, I had to live up to it. And that's how I started my journey. Wow. Well, first of all, obviously, condolences for your loss. That's a horrible uh, thing. But what, you know, to turn something so horrible into some sort of positive outcome would be that silver lining of you made this promise and this is what you're trying so hard to achieve, you know, is to keep that. So that's beautiful in its own way, for sure. Um, As we're coming up, we're recording this right now. We're only a week away from your next yes. scrap, dude. So yes. your next scrap is going to be an Octagon 52 in Newcastle, England. So like, today's the 20th. That's to be the 27th. Yes. Every every camp is different, Chris. Like we look at um, each camp for each individual opponent. We look at what we need to strengthen up on, what we need to level up at. And so there's usually a focal point. Now, sometimes it's just, hey, I need to level up everywhere. I just want to increase my game. Was there a particular part of this camp you really wanted to focus on, you know, improving? Or was it just really, I want to improve everywhere? Uh, it was definitely wanted to prove everywhere because when we watch his tapes, all he does is strike, strike, just to get you to the cage and take you down. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I, I know how to wrestle and I know how to strike as well. So I just want to make sure that I had the cardio and the pace to break this guy. Yeah, Aaron Abbey is his name. He's a Welsh fighter. And yeah, I know he's a... I know he's a grappler. I don't know too much about it. I haven't seen too much of his striking on his play because, like you said, it's kind of a throw a couple shots to try to get you to the cage. Um, is there is there a particular weakness that you see in him, or you just want to get into the cage and show it? Uh, his striking is his weakest point of his game, and his top game as well as what I saw against Garcia, I wasn't impressed at all. He couldn't right. finish the fight in the first round, and he was just punching his arms. And he was black belt, but at the end of the day, I didn't see anything impressive from ground and pound. He made a statement saying that I'm uh, I'm content to being on the bottom, which, yeah, I'm content because at the end of the day, I, I, I could submit guys. But if it's not going to work, I know how to get up and continue striking. I'm not going to stay in the bottom. Very true, my duty. We actually, <laughs> coming up a little bit later, I got a question about your submission game. But for this yeah. one, we're going to go with Octagon MMA is a really top tier European organization. So it's just always interesting. When you look at the card, I think you're the only one. There may be two Americans on the card. So how does a badass flyweight from Florida find himself signed to a promotion based out of Eastern Europe? <laughs> uh, it's thanks to, uh, of course, my coaches, Jim Adlers, for always believing me and me for, you know, putting that work from day in and day out, always fighting these regional shows. Even though I never got the call, I still put in the work to get to that. And then also my manager, Steve, you know, he got the call. He he knew who to call, who to speak to, to get me into that promotion. And yes, I'm the only, I believe I'm the only American. I think uh, you are. Promotion. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not there to win in their eyes. I'm there to 
to build this guy up so he can fight for the title again. And that's not going to happen. He's going to have a, a rude awakening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love that talk. And yeah, shout out to Steve Swedish, double S as I call him. Big ups <laughs> to you, my dude. Um, so like we talked about just a minute ago, your submission game is phenomenal. When you watch tape on you, and people don't use the word dynamic when they're talking about submissions. They usually talk about it in reference to striking. However, when you see you on the bottom and your ability to change position and then throw up whatever submission it is, or triangle, armbar, guillotine, whatever it is, it's so fast and it's so explosive and it's so smooth. Where does that come from, dude? What, did submissions just kind of come naturally to you or were you able to grind it out in the gym over years to kind of you know, hone that skill? Where does that submission ability come from, do you think? Man, first of all, I got to thank my coach, Alice Martial Arts, from uh, and Jim Allers, you know, at the end of the day, if it wasn't for him, like being there with me through thick and thin, like I wouldn't be who I am today. Uh, I was always a striker, so I hated getting taken to the ground. So in my amateur fights, I never like going to the ground. I always was asking the managers like, hey, make sure you don't put me up with a wrestler or, or a jujitsu guy because I was lacking that skill, you know. And instead of me just asking, hey, can you guys just, you know, get me a better matchup or another striker or just a kickboxing match? I just kept going to the gym and kept going to every jiu-jitsu class, beginners, advanced. And eventually I got better and I kept going with the good guys that kept submitting me over and over again. And I kept picking up these little details that they showed me, how, how they submitted me. And eventually it just just came through. Excellent, my dude. Now, we talked about it at the beginning of the broadcast. We are just a week away from when it's time to get in there and scrap. For me, dude, in my pro career, it was always, it was weird. It was like the 72-hour rule. I was cool and calm and collected until about 72 hours before the fight. Then the nerves (laughs) start to kick in. Then I started to get, you know, all anxious and nervous about it and start thinking about it over and over again. Is there a time frame for you? Like, do nerves kick in at a certain time for you? Or is it just kind of like, maybe the day of when does that kind of start to work in in for you because everybody gets nervous you know now for sure and if they say they don't they're lying yeah uh, for me it kicks in the day of like after okay. the weigh-ins I'm, I'm good but the morning i wake up when i'm supposed to fight i'm like why am i doing this <laughs> i could have a regular career I could, right. <laughs> I could go to school i could do anything besides going in a cage to get beat up you know but uh once i get hit the first hit it's the whole game plan, the whole demeanor changes, you know. It's, I'm ready to be in there, and I'm going to be the last person to stand up. That, that's so precisely exactly right. And I always refer back to when uh, Cowboy Cerrone said that one time. He said every time, and the guy had, what, a million and five fights, right? Every yeah. time in the back, he always said, before we're walking out, like, why do I do this? What am I doing? What am I? Why did I choose this to be what I do? And then, it's, and I have the exact same thoughts you do, almost everybody else does. And then, as soon as you're in there and the bell rings, it's like it, it completely shifts, and it's it's undescribable to anybody who's never done it. Correct. Where it's just a weird. It, again, it's hard to articulate. It's a weird s- switch that flips, and that's how for us for all of us. And that's awesome, I do. Now it's so funny you brought that up the career part because the next question is, if you weren't fighting. Like, if fighting wasn't available to be a something you could put bread on the table with, what do you think you'd be doing as a career? So what would I be doing as a career if fighting wasn't what I was doing? It would right. be a, uh, to become a firefighter. So I just finished the fire academy, and I'm already at EMT. And I just finished paramedics as well. So to become a firefighter, that's the goal. 
Good for you, my dude. That's yeah. badass. Yeah, there's been a few guys who have said firefighter or police, you know, civil service. That seems to be a really cool thing. But um, yeah, I think I think you. First of all, you're so you're so good at submissions. If you guys were doing some sort of medical emergency and somebody started to freak out, you could just you could just put him in a you could just put him in a chalk. Yeah, that, that, and that, subdue them. Said that. The firefighters always tell me, "Hey, man, we have a problem. I'm gonna call you." <laughs> yeah, like, they're right. Like, oh, <laughs> That's exactly what I would do too. I'd be like, "Call Chris, man. Have him come deal with this nonsense." Um, so away from the cage, away from training, away from all that world, dude. We gotta find balance. We gotta have time to just chill, relax. Have fun. What are some things you like to do just to kind of set your mind at ease and relax and chill out a little bit? Uh, I like to read books. I try to read 12 books a year. And besides reading, I also love day trading. I love trading Nas 100 in, in the futures community. So I like doing those things. Those things keep me at peace, keep me at balance. And taking long walks and just enjoying life. Because, you know, life is, you could be gone in a second, you know? Sure. But I um, I'm going to throw this book out to you. And, and a lot of people have read it. A lot of people have not. So it's called A Fighter's Heart okay. by Sam Sheridan. And I want to say I read it 12, 15 years ago or something like that. And it's essentially where this dude who is a regular guy, you know, he falls in love with fighting, not just one discipline, but all disciplines. So he moves to Bettendorf, Iowa and trains with um, all the guys from military fighting system for a while, then has a fight, goes to Thailand you know, trains for a long time, lives the Muay Thai life, has a Muay Thai fight, um, you know, goes to Oakland, trains with a bunch of guys in Oakland, gets has one boxing match. So it's kind of this weird. Now, there is a chapter. I love dogs. I'm a dog lover. There is a chapter where he goes somewhere and he experiences dog fighting. I never read that chapter. I'm not yeah. going to read that chapter. But all the ones where it's actually him learning a discipline of fighting. Oh, and I'm telling you, Chris, it is such a phenomenal book. So I highly, highly recommend. And what's a that fighter's book again? Heart, a Fighter's Heart. Fighter's heart. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And the fighter is uh, the, the guy who wrote it. The author's name is Sam Sheridan. So yes, I don't need any um, I don't need any kickback, Sam Sheridan. You're welcome for the advertisement. <laughs> All right. So dude, definitely look into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. Um, so one thing that's different about professional fighters and even amateurs to a certain extent is that weight cutting is a is a real issue for a lot of people. There is it is something that people either have dialed in or struggle with throughout their whole careers, right? Yes. We all have to watch what we're eating when we're cutting weight. We often deprive ourselves of our favorite things. However, Chris, put yourself in the mindset of you've already won the fight. You're out with your friends, your family, your training partners, your coaches, whoever, and you really get to throw down on whatever grub you want. What do you want to get, my dude? <laughs> pizza. Has to be pizza. Now what That's comes out of the pizza? Thing. What's on what's on the Christopher Daniel pizza, my man? What are the toppings? Oh, what type of toppings? Everyone's gonna hate me if I say this, man. <laughs> Pineapple and chicken. <laughs> Everyone's gonna hate. I'm gonna lose some fans, but it's okay, man. <laughs> I love pineapple pizza, man. <laughs> <clears throat> Pineapple pizza is good. It's not my it's not my first go-to, but when it's there and I have it, it's delicious. So I don't understand why so much hate for it, but it's good. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a sausage and red peppers guy. That's, that's my jam. Yeah, now, I used to love sausage and, and pepperoni, but I cut out the pork. I just sure. cut it again, but I'm going to cut it off again. <laughs> <laughs> Pineapple and chicken pizza sounds all right to me, oh. my friend. So Chris, we have careened our way into the 10th round with Rhino, which is just the easiest round of them all. Share your social medias with us, dude. So my friends, my fans, my listeners, my homies in the Rhino gang, we can all follow you along in your career moving forward, keep tabs on you. So just where do we follow you on social media, my dude? So on Instagram, you can follow me on D-B-A-M-N 
underscore Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L. And also I got a YouTube channel, Chris Daniel, MMA. Excellent, my dude. So fam, friends, listeners, Rhino Gang, everybody, let's follow Chris on Instagram. Let's follow his YouTube channel. And I'm telling you, he is such a dynamic fighter to watch. We all know 125ers are already quick and they're already fast and they're already high paced. We know that. This guy is that plus some. So I hope everybody can check him out. Um, one week from today on, on January the 27th, Octagon 52, Newcastle, England. Dude, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And once again, we know how busy you are, Chris. So thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview today, my dude. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor to be on your show. This is Christopher Daniel, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Chris, what a great interview, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know we're only a week away from uh, your big a big event at Octagon in uh, Newcastle, England. So we really appreciate you taking the time out to go 10 rounds of Rhino this week. We want to give a shout out to our outro to some of our foreign contributors to tie the fly guy to the big homie, Jim Assoon, feel better, buddy to our homie, the doc to the Dean dog, the bionic Dean dog to our homie, the rage of sweet potato, a special shout out to our girl, Jess, who's, you know, we're not going to put her business out there, but is going through something right now. You know how much we love you scream queen supreme. We love so, you. you know, you know, we're always here for you. You know that, and you always have a place in, uh, in our family with us. So, um, obviously of course we want to shout out our girl, APB, the co-host with the mo-host who says things like, like, <laughs> what did you say about catching where? Uh, dirty old bitch one, one, one tough bitch it? one tough bitch oh yeah she's a dirty bitch and a tough bitch <laughs> i don't know that was my fucking highlight of the day oh my god so good of course our homie sandy pants Cairo, tom tori fabian the man of mayhem ashley the mma mom chisanga mike morgan jillian and jason my underdog mma peeps to miss fight diva i hope you're on the lions track today too miss fight diva leslie hunter sammy Steffi, Gina, and Shannon from the PRG, Cyrus King, Milliken, our homie Headkick Audio, Annabelle, Maya, of course, my Rhino Gang GC, who I love every fucking show. We want to make sure we give you guys a shout out because you're the best that there is. Thank you so much. To the feature play, Andrea, to D. Reigns, the best engineer there ever was, ever will be, and we love him. <laughs> to Jay, at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube. Another banger poster this week, brother. Thank you so much. Dude, we know the world's crazy. We know there's so much going on, and it's so hard to like wrap your head around things. But at the end of the day, we always want to make sure we are pushing this message that love is, in fact, greater than hate. We love you guys. We will see you next week. Kate Sun!